And uh, I want to briefly introduce you to our guest preacher today. Uh, preaching for us is Brian Suey. He is the RUF campus minister at San Jose State. Uh, he's also served alongside me uh, on the credentials committee of our presbytery, and he's very graciously covered the pulpit for me this week so I have a little more uh, spare time during my week for some of my other responsibilities. And so let's thank Brian and welcome him to the stage. Well, good morning, New Life Fremont. It's good to be here with you, and I'm honored to be able to bring God's word to you. Uh, I was just—I've been here three times, and so—but the last time I was with you was June 23rd of 2019, and so uh, that's a long time ago. But it's really good to be back, and um, I want to prepare you t- for this morning's sermon. The, the morning's uh, sermon title is "The Christian Sabbath: A Command for Life." And I kind of mean that in two different ways. One, that not only is the Christian Sabbath, uh, as we're going to see from Scripture, a, a thing that uh, we participate in. It still uh, continues today. But it's a Christian Sabbath for life means that this thing that God has commanded was meant to bring your uh, refreshment to your life. It is for the good of your soul. And, so, and that's what the Sabbath was designed to be. And so if you would... Would you uh, turn with me to the text in your bulletins? There's going to be three. Uh, now, typically in, in a sermon, you will have one text to go through. But if, if you are familiar with the Bible, uh, the Sabbath is something that is talked about throughout the scriptures. And so I just wanted to, to uh, touch on a few, uh, three different texts today uh, for us to uh, gain an understanding uh, and for some of us an awareness of, of God's desire and design of the Sabbath. And so if you would, let's start in Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or your sojourner who is in within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The next scripture is Mark 2, 23 through 28. And uh, this is, uh, begins with Jesus and his disciples. And here's how it begins. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And lastly, Isaiah fifty-eight thirteen through 14. 
says God to his people Israel, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth, and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Our Father God, we thank you that, that on this day, we are participating in exactly what you are calling us to do, to come before you in worship, to, to stop uh, what we normally do uh, the, the rest of the week, to spend time with you. And so we pray that you would honor us with your presence, that we would know the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of the Sabbath, more deeply today in your presence. We ask that you would meet us here, and we trust that you will because of all that Christ has done for us. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. So part of my story is that I wasn't born into a Christian home, but I grew up in one. When I was uh, seven years old, I'm the youngest in the family, we started going to church. And here's what my Sunday looked like. Uh, we would frantically get ready for church, and we would consistently arrive three to five minutes late, sometimes sometimes really late, sometimes 15 minutes late. My dad would joke that we were just going to go to get the benediction. And then we would attend the service, and after that we would go to lunch. And after uh, that time, Sunday was essentially Saturday, part two. It was a day for shopping at Costco, for uh, finishing up homework, going to the movies, or doing nothing. And my parents had this interesting attitude towards uh, towards Sunday church. Uh, as you know, church happens on a predictable schedule. Every Sunday, uh, there's church. And so when something special would come up, maybe a Saturday, uh, Saturday Sunday swim meet, or maybe a sibling was doing a musical performance on Sunday, or there was an important AP test on Monday, uh, it, it was okay in our family to skip church to go and do those special occasion things. And now, despite my parents' attitude, by God's grace, and I want to emphasize that, uh, the Holy Spirit was at work in my life. And even though I could miss as many, as many Sundays of church as I wanted to, uh, to, to study hard for exams or, or do something like that, uh, something in my soul knew that uh, uh, didn't feel good about that. I didn't like missing church. And so, and I remember uh, this played into to sports. I remember I, have to, I had to tell my swim coach several times, hey, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go to this meet. I'm going to go to church. And he would respond by giving me an earful and shaming me. Remember, this is the 90s and early 2000s, so coaches could still do stuff like that. Um, and, but there were times that I would get worn down, and, and I would go to the swim meet, or I would do whatever it was that, that would miss church. And, and something uh, just didn't feel right about that. And I'm not saying that I'm, I'm better or more righteous than anyone. I'm just saying that in a household where it was kind of acceptable to miss church, God was at work ma- putting a conviction in my young soul that— that maybe I should, I should think about that. And without any formal instruction on, on the Sabbath, Christian rest, um, a day of rest, uh, this is how I grew up. This is the attitude I grew up with, that uh, as long as I, I went to church on Sunday, uh, the day was essentially my own to do whatever I wanted with. And as I went to seminary, I learned that my perspective on Sunday, uh, what, while very contemporary and I think very, very ordinary, a, a great description of, of the American church, had not been how Christians had historically thought about the Christian Sabbath. And, and, and my Sunday and their Sunday looked really different. And I was uh, surprised to learn that in ages past, Christians viewed the whole day as the Lord's Day. And, 
and they they remember that day by honoring it by with worship uh, as we are doing in that same same tradition but also in fellowship and being with god's people all day long and i remember someone in uh in seminary made a sarcastic dad joke and they they said you know god gave us the 10 commandments not the nine commandments and the one suggestion and i remember i hadn't i hadn't uh considered that and i was just like yeah haha good one good joke there um but then as i thought about it i began to see the practical and the just circumstances for this command i saw it in my real life uh, nicole uh, who is my wife uh, she started working for this lawyer as his assistant and uh, this was a new job and it came with a significant pay raise uh, but the the catch was that she was supposed to be on call for the lawyer when he needed it which was fine she agreed to that and she gave one stipulation, one boundary. She didn't want to work on Sundays. That was her, her day to go to church. And he said, yeah, sure, um, that's fine. And then he tested her. And he asked her to come in, of all Sundays, Easter Sunday. And uh, Nicole knew what her new boss was doing. He was testing her. And uh, in response to that test, Nicole quit that day. Now, you and I can, can if, you're, if you're in my, my wife's shoes, you can be outraged that a boss would do such a thing, that of all the boundaries to transgress, it would be this one. Uh, and uh, we're like, that, that's so wrong. Uh, but I think that I, I want us to consider it with careful reflection, that we are being asked to do that on a regular basis at various times to consider uh, Sabbath rest, church on Sunday, as something that, because it happens so regularly, uh, easily negotiable. Uh, something better comes along, I'll go do that. And... Uh, but I, I want you to know that the Sabbath observance, uh, at least for me, wasn't just academic. It was deeply personal. I am a child of the Bay Area. I grew up in Cupertino. And in the Bay Area, we are known, famous, for being world leaders in technology and education. But I, f- I find that we are not leaders at all in rest. I would never recommend the Bay Area culture as a people who know how to rest. We love work here. Uh, it's it's been indicated or suggested that we love work so much that we're scared not to work. There have been studies that showed uh, that people who had these long commutes before the pandemic uh, saved all this time by working at home. And what do they do with all their saved time? They worked. They did more work. Or perhaps you you bought into the idea. Uh, these are these are also my ideas uh, that people who uh, are experts or even competent at rest are uh, that's the same that's synonymous with being lazy. Uh, And even if we are able to step away from our work, to stop our work, uh, it's easy to fill that free time with TV and video games or just messing around on our phones. And none of those those fun activities are bad, but sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking that these activities are restful. And as a regular consumer of entertainment, I love entertainment, I can tell you that there's something uh, characteristically different than godly rest and, and, and just filling your time with hours and hours of video games like I, I would. Uh, God has given us um, the Sabbath as his method of something we crave, stress reduction, his design for divinely created work-life balance, which, which tends to elude many of us. What we're talking about is a soul at peace. Uh, it's, it's not so much that life will be stress-free if you obey the Sabbath, but because life is stressful, there are things that happen that we can't control. Disease, death, war, broken relationships, pain, sorrow, depression. Uh, you know by instinct that the human life can only take so much. 
So we must have a regular rhythm where we seek refuge in God and rest in him. And if we don't have that, when those difficulties come, the things that we can't control, uh, they don't, they're not merely challenges. They crush us. And those of us who are used to burning the candle at both ends need the command of the Sabbath to bring sanity and balance to our lives. And those of us who have been broken by overwork and a restless life rightly regret, why didn't I listen to God who created me to have this important limit? God gives us limits to let us know that we are not an unlimited God, but we are his limited creatures who know and trust our unlimited God. And so let's take some time to look at these texts and understand the Sabbath. Our, the outline is, is uh, uh, super simple, right? Stop, second, rest, third, enjoy. I'm going to read Exodus 20 again. This is from the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The fourth commandment is a restatement that you and I are made in the image of God. Uh, you can sort of see that six days you shall labor, and on the seventh day you shall rest or take a Sabbath. Uh, and God tells us that we have to do this. You're commanded to do it because that is how he created the world. Six days he created the world, and on the seventh day he rested. You can see quite clearly this parallel. Uh, the Bible says that we are made in the image of God. That means we reflect him, and God means that we are to reflect him in this, in the way that he created, in the way that we do our work. Now, any time in the Bible, when the image of God is brought up, uh, this is an occasion for us to consider dignity and justice. I want you to uh, think about uh, the relationships that men have with women. Uh, God says that he created mankind, male and female, in his image. And this doctrine is brought up any time that, uh, you know, when we bring it up, we bring it up when there's a man who is treating his wife poorly, or maybe his daughter's poorly. Maybe he thinks that being a man makes him more important than his wife or, or females. And in that situation, we say, excuse me, men and women are made in the image of God. They are of equal dignity and worth. You cannot treat them as lower or unequal to you. Let's think about the topic of racism. The Bible teaches that all human beings are made in the image of God. And that means that every tribe, tongue, and nation, every nationality has equal dignity according to the Bible. And the, the place we get that is the image of God. So no ethnicity is superior to another ethnicity because we are made in the image of God. In the same way, when the fourth commandment brings up and shows this pattern of reflecting or being made in the image of God, our minds should go to dignity and justice. So how so? When it comes to gender and ethnicity, we are saying that the image of God constrains us to respect each other, to respect the worth of each other. In the fourth commandment, we are asked to respect ourselves, respect our own personal limits and the limits of others. I think that many of us who are driven might say something like, but Brian, I can do more. Other weaker people, uh, you know, and less determined people, they need a break, but I can do more. And that's like saying that, you can drive on a flat tire or you can drive when your check engine light is on. 
and, and, you know, those things happen. And you go, look, the car's still moving. I'm still pressing the gas. The car's still moving. I mean, and, I, and what I want to say to you is you can do that, but people who like to reduce further automotive damage will stop. And if you have an experience uh, in your car, you know that those things mean that you need to stop or things are going to start to break. Maybe not at the boundary, but eventually, maybe possibly very soon, they will break. But we're not talking about a mechanical car here. We're talking about your life. You were designed for a certain pattern, six days of labor and one day of rest. And we often take advantage of God's grace here. Uh, It may take decades of breaking the Sabbath before our bodies and our minds break. But make no mistake, people who do not rest, to have a regular regular rhythm of rest, they will break. Whether it be a mental breakdown or a shortening of your lifespan, studies do reveal that those who do not have a regular rhythm of rest, of work and rest, will be injured. And as you consider the Sabbath, you might object saying, listen, as I look at my life, uh, Sunday is the day that I need to do that I need to have to get everything that I need done. That's my day to get ready for the week. That is my day for for shopping and for, for doing all these things that otherwise I'm going to be be swamped. And I want you to consider that perhaps uh, it's not Sunday that that's the problem. It's it's our organization organization in view of the other six days. If we're not able to take a full day of rest without the chaos of work shoving their way into our one day of rest. Uh, it's possible that God is telling you that your life is out of order. He's not telling you that to shame you, but to warn you. Or maybe it's the other way around. Because we don't take one day of rest, uh, we don't start our week right. And so the, the other six days inevitably have a chaotic and an overwhelmed character to them. Either way, the remedy to this disorder, disordered and chaotic and overwhelming life is to stop Stop doesn't mean that Sunday is a day for laziness or inactivity. We are here worshiping God. That is an active activity. But he does say to stop. It means to stop from your normal work. When we cease from our labors, it means to cease from whatever could have been finished yesterday or postponed till tomorrow. We all know that there are exceptions. There are things that cannot wait. If if your kid breaks an arm, you need to go take care of that. If... uh, you know, if, uh, if you're, uh, if you're a, a, a business owner and your building's on fire, you need to take care of that. That's not what God is talking about. In the regular rhythms, stop and take uh, and to rest. Uh, and so there's one application that, that I want to, to give, and maybe it'll cause me not to be invited here back again. And I want to say it to parents. Uh, it means uh, for parents um, to, to take charge and, and stop your children from their schoolwork. Stay with me. Uh, most of my ministry has been in youth and in college. And I can tell you that as ministering to this population, that driving your, your kids seven days a week, week will make them ripe for anxiety and for an unbalanced life. Ignoring God's teaching, uh, teaching us about the image of God, like the fourth commandment, leads to oppression. You do not want to do that to your beloved children. And so teach them to have this balance, to, to work, and then stop and rest. Uh, but uh, the fourth commandment is not only about ourselves. It also uh, pertains to those who are under our care. And so if you have the privilege of being a manager uh, or a business owner, uh, consider your employees and give them time 
to rest and to worship, whether they're, you don't know if they're Christian or not, but, but this pattern applies to them. And so uh, as, as much as it depends on you, uh, be responsible for those under your care and give them rest. And now we're going to go look a little bit deeper and consider that rest. Uh, not we, we have it in this command, but we also receive it from Jesus. And so let's, let's look at that. Mark 2, 23 to 28. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, uh, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, uh, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So I've known families who have come from strict Sabbath-keeping backgrounds, and uh, they were known, uh, and as they they testify as children what what Sunday was like for them, it was a boring day where they couldn't do anything. Uh, And maybe you have that fear. You know, if if I stop all my work, it will be a waste of the day. I could be more productive. Uh, Some families had rules where uh, you could go outside and play, but you weren't allowed to sweat. Because if you sweat, that would have constituted work. One of the ugliest interactions that Jesus had with the Pharisees was about the Sabbath and how it was to be honored. It was precisely on the topic of the Sabbath that the Pharisees had the nastiest attitudes. And I think it's, it's reasonable to pause as we consider the Sabbath that we don't become legalistic Pharisees uh, when it comes to the Sabbath. And in our, uh, and here's what our passage in Mark 2 tells us. You and I do not receive the Sabbath command from legalistic Pharisees. We receive the Sabbath, uh, we receive our Sabbath from the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, and he's not saying that there is no Sabbath, but this Sabbath is distinctly connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it has a different character to it. The Pharisees view the Sabbath in a perfectly consistent way to their view of God. Their view of God is that he is a harsh and a strict tyrant. The disciples were hungry after their journey with Jesus on the Sabbath. Presumably they were doing ministry with Jesus. And that's the context that the Pharisees take issue with Jesus. It's as if they were saying, hey, 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 Jesus, we are suffering in our obedience to God to stop and cease our work, and your disciples aren't suffering with us. And so you see what's happening here. The Sabbath was a burden to be endured so that people could say, look how obedient to God we are being. And Jesus is saying, in, 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 I'm paraphrasing, don't you get it? The Sabbath is a blessing. It's a commanded blessing, like I command you to eat ice cream or something cool like that. But it's, it's a blessing nonetheless. And the Pharisees made it a curse. And Jesus tells a story about King David when he and his men are on the run. They're fugitives on the run from a wicked King Saul. And the only provision they had to feed uh, themselves to survive was the sacred bread in uh, the tabernacle. And the priest amazingly gives this bread to David without a second thought. How did the priest know that it was okay to break the ceremonial law? What's going on here? And the answer is that Abiathar the priest was a good priest. He knew what a priest was. A priest, uh, one definition, 
It's an incomplete definition, but one definition is a priest facilitates the grace of God to the people, the people who are not priests. That's his job. And so uh, you could do that job well, or you could do it poorly. Abiathar knew what this bread represented, and so did David. The bread that the high priest had that baked on a regular basis was the show bread. And the show bread is exactly what it, it sounds like. It's, it's bread to be seen. And it was a symbol to all of Israel that I am the God who provides for you always. Can you imagine if Abiathar the priest said to David's starving men, this symbolic bread could have been used to help you and provide for your actual needs of hunger. But, you know, the law says that only I can eat it, so you have to go hungry. The bread was a symbol of God's true nature and his reality. And it's because Abiathar knew that there were hungry men there who were in great need. And so, of course, Abiathar knew what needs to be communicated about God to these men, that God is the God who provides. And so he is able to, to see that he, he is not breaking the essence of God's law, and he gives this bread to the men. In the same way, this Sabbath rest, this ceasing from our work, this rest is meant to be a refreshment, a day of rest with God. And here's what Jesus is telling you. He's telling you, he's not telling you forget the Sabbath. What he's saying is that the way that we remember the Sabbath, the way that we we celebrate it and engage in it is now deeply connected to the Lord of the Sabbath, to Jesus. And so what does that mean? It means this, that our definition of rest has to change. Uh, I think that the common definition of rest is synonymous with a vacation. Uh, but in the, uh, for the Christian, the gospel has so changed what rest means. It means this, that the burden that you used to carry with your sins and your shame and your guilt are now dealt with. Uh, there are all these allegories that talk about these, what sin is. It is a burden on your back. And no matter what you do, whether you go on vacation or not, it remains with you. When you engage Christ in church and throughout this day in remembrance, this is a day to say, this burden is no longer on me, but I lay it on the cross. Jesus Christ's death and resurrection changes what we think about rest and our attitude towards it. There is nothing more freeing than that gospel truth that Christ really has died for my sins. And I can now enter God's presence, not as an unworthy prisoner or an orphan or an outcast, but I am God's child and I go in the presence of my heavenly father and he embraces me. Godly rest, rest in Christ means that I am never alone. One of the, the scariest things is, is to, you know, whether you're, uh, that is difficult, especially for isolated people who are single or, or maybe widowed, um, is that, you know, I am alone all the time. I, maybe I don't have, have work, but it is a terrifying thing to be alone. That is not a restful state. I'm worried all the time. I am lonely. In Christ, you are never alone. He is always with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Rest in Christ, rest in the hands of Jesus given to you has a different character. And it contrasts greatly the view of the Pharisees. And so what we do with this day, if it is not connected with Jesus, but if it is connected with rules, is the path of the Pharisees and it will crush you. Nobody can do it. Uh, but rest in the hands of Christ is something entirely different. And it causes us to think about this day differently.
And I want you to hear the words of Jesus, but through the prophet Isaiah. Let's turn to that now. The third point is enjoy. Isaiah 58, 13 through 14. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and, a, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth, and I'll feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. One of my seminary friends uh, who came to Christ in Turkey uh, had this amazing testimony. He, he, was, he was Muslim, and he started reading the Bible so he could re- refute Christians. That's the reason that he did that. And through that process, he became a Christian. And he told me what Sunday was like for him. And he said, Brian, I want you to imagine that six days of the week are dominated by by Islam, by Muslim culture. But on Sundays, the Christians got to come together and we got to worship together and we got to be with each other and eat with each other. And we spent all day until midnight with each other because we knew that the rest of the six days were going to be dramatically different than that one day. And we loved that day and we guarded that day. That was a special day for us. I had another friend from the country of Lebanon say to me, uh, this was during his, his ordination exams, and they asked him, you know, what's your view on the Sabbath? And he said, you know, it seems like uh, Americans are, are very concerned about defending what they are and are not allowed to do on the Sabbath. But in Lebanon after church, the Christians fill their days with acts of mercy and service, which I was like, wow. I mean, that's like really inspiring to me that, that that's how they would spend their Sundays. The point here is that Sunday was special. And in these respective countries that are, that are not our own, there were, there were different ways that they indicated how special that day was. And I want you to know that you know how to make a day special. Uh, just one example from our family. So we got some stimulus money, and uh, we missed Archer's fourth birthday party. And so we kind of blew it out um, for his fifth birthday party in kind of a, a fantastic way. And uh, we, we had it was only it was about 50 people, including children. But we had multiple caterers. We had these like gift baskets that were not only for children, but like adults. And it was super memorable for, for us, but also for our guests. Um, and, and here's the point. Uh, we didn't plan for Archer's birthday party on the day of. There, were, there was a huge lead up of planning and preparing. And even after the event, we remember how energized we were that people had a great time and that this was a special day. And, uh, and what I'm saying is that uh, the six days, the six other days are meant to be spent in preparation, in consideration for the special day of the Sabbath, if you want it uh, to be special. And you might say, Brian, uh, that sounds a little bit obsessive. If I'm thinking about, uh, if I have to plan that far ahead to make the Sabbath special, I'll be thinking about God all the time. And my reply to you is, mm-hmm. That, that maybe that's the point. Maybe that's why God gave it to us. Like, uh, and so, uh, but I want you to, to think about uh, at this point of the, the Sabbath command uh, about what gives us energy. There's this common thought that the thing that burns me out is uh, too many hours uh, dedicated to something. And uh, I want you to know that Nicole and I spent lots of hours planning for the birthday party and we could have spent more. Uh, you know what I don't have time for is reading updated tax law. I can, I, can, I can only read two pages and then I'm done. I'm wiped out. The point here, what's the difference? I don't have a great love for tax law. I have a great love for my son. 
and for our community. And, and so that's the difference. Uh, and at this point, you might say, Brian, what, what, you're, what you're indicating to me and what I'm indicating to myself is that when it comes down to it, um, maybe I don't love God that much. <laughs> like I'm not willing to prepare for him or, or do anything or, or adjust my life. And I think uh, that's true for me. And I, want, and I want us to think that perhaps uh, to remember that the chief way that God's people told him that they hated him was they profaned his Sabbaths. That's from Jeremiah 17, Ezekiel 20, uh, 22, and 23. And it's like exactly at this point that we come to terms with the fact that, uh, you know, maybe I don't love God with my heart, all my heart, mind, and soul. And that is not to shame you. It's to warn you. And it's, it's to get you, it's, one, it's another occasion to come to God and say, God, I need your forgiveness. It's another occasion to interact with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us these, these different ways. And the Sabbath is one of these ways as well. It gives us a heart check that in many ways, often, daily, I love myself. I love many things, but I'm not willing to prepare. I'm not willing to adjust for the Lord. Um, but I want you to know that adjusting this way isn't only for yourself. There's a very missional aspect. Your friends and family members who don't need Jesus need to see you ad- make God a priority. And if you do that, you say, you know, you get invited to something. You know what? I'd love to come to that, but I really need to go to church. And that begins to, to make an impact on those around you. One, at least they know that you are a Christian and you go to church. But two, that you said no to something possibly really, really fun to go do this thing that they possibly think is really, really boring or not very effective. And, and that can be, uh, but as they look at your life in a work rhythm, uh, seeing you having a work rhythm, uh, a, a rhythm to work and rest, as someone who, is, who may be overworked and overstressed, they may see that and say, what, what's going on with you? Why is your life different? And, and in that way, you can show them, not that you are awesome, but the Lord of the Sabbath has given you rest, and you can offer that to people. And you can show them the Christ that brings the soul rest. And so I hope that this time has been an encouragement to you to consider the blessing, the commanded blessing of the Sabbath. Let's pray. Our Father God, we thank you for this time that we can examine and, and, and be confronted with the fact that you have commanded this great thing. And so often we care so little about it and we'd rather go our own way and do our own thing. But we thank you for the promise that we have from Isaiah, that for those who, who would, would hear your call would begin to understand that those who do this will have the Lord, that you promise your presence and that we will have you and you will be enough. And so bless us this Sabbath. May we cherish it. May we make it a delight. May we take special arrangements uh, to, um, to look to you Oh God, thank you, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.